Welcome to the Life Adventure Podcast, where we explore everything related to making digital transformations. As a full-service development firm, we bring over a decade of experience in taking businesses from concept to product for whatever their software needs. Subscribe to hear more talks and tips on how to transform your business today. Hello and welcome to the Life of Venturet podcast. This is your co-host, Alex Mershak. I'm here with Valley. Hi, guys. And today uh, we've got a very special guest. We've got uh, Cholani here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm Cholani Vibada. I'm an assistant professor with Michigan State University. I'm also the plant breeder for international programs at Michigan State. Uh, we wanted to have you on today to talk specifically about your experience in transitioning to uh, online teaching. Obviously, mm-hmm. This has been a big shift for everyone in the education sphere uh, mm-hmm. over the last year. And so to start off with, um, how was day one of your transition? Yeah, so uh, this is interesting because um, it, it wasn't something new to me because I've always wanted to get into online teaching. I used to do a lot of outreach work, international outreach work. So uh, very soon I realized that I can't be traveling all over the world when I'm when I have to when I have teaching um responsibilities at Michigan State. So I've been thinking about this for for a while. So I was kind of, you know, trying to understand how would you do uh, flip, um, how would you flip a classroom and stuff like that. So I've been thinking about it for a while. And then when COVID hit, and we didn't have any COVID cases at Michigan, in Michigan, um, this was during the spring break, um, I was lucky that the a group of uh, folks I, I work at at MSU, uh, they said in case in case we have uh, we we start getting COVID cases and we have to go into a shutdown mode, what are we going to do? So we we got some training during the spring break. So when students return to campus um, after the spring break, my first class was on a Tuesday. So I told my students, okay, folks, getting COVID cases in Michigan is going to be a, it's not going to be an if, it's going to be a when. So if that happens, and if I happen to get sick, this is how we're going to go forward. And I I gave them an extra credit assignment, how to log on to, uh, you know, all MSU students and faculty have Zoom accounts. So I gave them an extra credit assignment to, um, to see how they can register and get on and how to use Zoom. So by Wednesday, when the university actually announced that we are going into shutdown and my next class was Thursday morning, all my students were already on Zoom. So honestly, it wasn't too hard for me. Um, the transition was, wasn't too hard for me because I was prepared for it, you know, so uh, and, and my students were great, you know, and I was I was communicating with them um, through email and told them, okay, you know, we're going to go online and we're going to go into remote teaching and they were prepared. So I wouldn't say that I found anything too hard when that happened. I'm actually really glad that you were able to prepare yourself and your students. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think there was anything that you had to change about your program or that you had to learn for this? Yeah, so um, at the very beginning, you know, this was um, for my students, um, one of the hardest things they went through, kind of like your sisters, is that there were some students who had to travel back home. So 
um, and you know a lot of my students were international students so and and the university really prepared us because they told us to be as flexible as we can imagine with our students so there were some students who had to drive across the country to get home right and there were some students who had to fly i had some students who get really sick so i had to be there for them and there were some students well couple of students not a lot um who would who would tell me how you know uh, the difficult situations they are facing right so i had to be able to um be there for them talk to them and tell them it's going to be okay and so there was one of my students who got very sick and you know thank god he was okay after that there was one of my students who did not have any internet because her internet um kind of something happened to her home internet so she basically had to drive to a nearby coffee shop stay in the car outside to even access um lessons so i had to be very flexible with uh that kind of students and uh you know there were students who whose family members were affected so i had to make a lot of changes to be flexible so so they were not under stress you know they they're already under stress so i needed to understand where they're coming from put myself in their situation and say okay if i was in that situation what would i want my teachers to do for me so i got i i went to that level because i mean i, I really care for my students right so they i've been there done that so that really helped me to reach out to them and you know like i changed the deadlines for assignments i i was really flexible so um so i mean at the end of the day um those were some of the changes i had to make so i was i was available for them through office hours anybody could um send me an email i'll get on zoom with them so but it was worth it you know at the end of the day um just to hear from them that um they had a good semester was all worth it i you mentioned there um Zoom obviously um there's a whole suite of tools and applications that you have to use in order to maintain um communication and student engagement what kind of um uh tools or programs did you have to use um perhaps that you weren't using before in order to uh keep things going Yeah so um Zoom I was already using because I for my international activities I've been using Zoom um so but um but other other ways so um ms uses a learning management system called d2l desire to learn so uh interestingly for a face to face class i was using certain aspects of uh, of d2l and uh, but there were many more um there were many more that um that i could have used that i didn't really think about before but msu had um you know msu wide so so i i work with the uh, msu hub i'm a hub faculty fellow so i was you know they were initially they were my go to uh, as to okay how do i do this how, you know so uh, so it's like when i when i wanted to get my students engaged and i wanted to do something and if i didn't know how to do that um myself i would i would go to the hub and i and i'll go for their training sessions and i'd ask them okay how do i do this i want to i want to get my students engaged by offering this type of um assignment and they would help me and say okay try this so they'll give me some tools and in fact they even connected me with msuit staff so so i had to learn 
quite a bit about how to use different tools that, um, that the D2L already had that I had not used before for a face-to-face -face class. So, you know, and um, in a face-to-face -face class, I would not have used HTML um, files to um, write my stories. So I teach with stories, okay? So mm. I, I, I didn't have that, I didn't have the, an opportunity to use those tools before. So I learned how to use templates, how to do that stuff. So it just, you know, it was to me, it was kind of like something good coming out of a really bad situation, I'd say. So it was for me, it was like um, this shutdown gave me an opportunity to learn, um, learn new tools and be as creative as I wanted to be to, um, to get my message out to my students and just keep them engaged, you know. So um, the learning curve, I would say, was a little bit steep because remote learning is a little bit different from an online teaching experience to me. The reason I say that is I, when I wanted to offer online courses, one of the first things I did was I wanted to be a student and understand how it is like to take an online course. So I took an MIT um, online course and I wanted to see what did I like about the course? What did I not like about the course? So from that experience, there was some really cool things that they had in the course and I wanted to use a similar um, I wanted to use similar things in my courses. So, and I had to learn um, how I could use um, D2L to deliver a similar kind of experience to my students. And, and then I also used iClicker. I used to use iClickers in classroom um, to get immediate feedback from my students. When we went on to remote learning, I still continued to do that. And then uh, now MSU even has uh, iClicker free for all students. So uh, it's a matter of getting all these new things integrated into my course so that I, I can kind of probably give a, you know, like a similar experience that like a face-to-face -face course or even better to my mm -hmm. students. Um, and so now that you've been through a full semester of this and the students have had time to sort of make the adjustment as well, um, mm -hmm. How have you felt like the students have dealt with it? Um, have there been issues or things that they liked? What's been the feedback from the students? So um, one of the things I do in my class is that um, I get, um, I do a couple of surveys during the semester to get feedback from my students. So there's a method that I use, okay? I, t I give them, I give them, I tell them, okay, tell me what I should start, what I should stop, and what I should continue. So it's like the start, stop, continue system. So they tell me, uh, please continue doing this. Please start this or please stop this. And a lot of the time students say, um, yeah, you know, we don't have anything um, for you to start or, or, you know, so, but there were some students who didn't like the discussion board or they didn't like certain, you know, watching long videos. So I get a lot of input from them. And during the course, I change. I change my instruction based on the feedback I get from my students. Now, there's a lot of work going into it because, you know, obviously not everybody's going to be happy, right? But my use of superpower is really seriously taking in every input my students are giving me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I kind of, I don't know, I put myself into so much, I, I put so much work into 
um, understand the struggles they're going through and, and what I can do to help them. Yeah, so the feedback so far, uh, in fact, I um, just the end of this semester, I, I had a little party <laughs> for my students. I called them, um, we survived fall 2020 and uh, holiday party, right? So I, I, didn't, I didn't really um, make a big deal out of it because I didn't, you know, it's a, we are in a pandemic situation, but I wanted them to celebrate that they came this far. So I, I asked them questions, you know, we played some Kahoot games and uh, fun stuff. And they actually said that uh, my course was quite, you know, they, they didn't feel like they were under a lot of stress going through my class, which was my goal. And I think um, based on the feedback I got from them, looks like, you know, it went okay. So um, not a lot of people complained. A lot of people said, um, well, you know, she asked us we, what we like and what we didn't like. And, and she made those changes as we went through, the, uh, went through the semester. And so I found those helpful. Those were most of the comments I got back. They were flexible with me as much as I was flexible with them. You're listening to the Life Adventurate Podcast. Adventurate, we specialize in producing smart applications using AI, machine learning, blockchain, and IoT. You can learn about all our services at Venturate.com. All right, back to the show. I know you mentioned um, iClicker and mm-hmm. in one of the tools that you use. I yeah. sort of may I know a little bit about it and I know it's been used like now during this time to sort of make the remote learning situation maybe like sort of like if students were in the classroom. Do you think that this um, help your students like feel more engaged with the class or how do you use iClicker? Uh, when we went into remote learning, um, I used the iClick, it's called iClicker Reef. It came with the software that I'm using in my class called Launchpad. So it's like during um, when, so when we were doing remote learning on Zoom, I was doing these PowerPoint uh, presentations. I was talking to them with PowerPoint slides, right? So I'd bring up a question and they have the iClicker Reef software downloaded onto their phones. That was in spring 2020. In fall 2020, I actually didn't use iClicker Reef because there were too many moving wheels. So I just didn't want to add another one on. Um, I wanted to get the new um, new online teaching components um, in there. So I, I didn't use it last semester. And I'm thinking of once I get everything working in a well-oiled machine, that's why when I would bring the iClicker Reef um, on board again. Because, you know, there's only, I mean, it, it used to cost students to get an iClicker, not much, you know, iClicker Reef was about $5 uh, for the semester or so, it wasn't much, but, you know, it was another thing that they had to do. So I didn't want to introduce that in a pandemic situation. I may uh, start using it not this semester, you know, but maybe as we move on. It's, it's great because it's, it's immediate feedback. I would ask a question and based on the answers I put in that question, I know where, they, where they're struggling. So I can address, address that issue. But when you're having an online asynchronous class, it's a little bit different because you can't really um, get that immediate feedback with an eye clicker. I don't think. Maybe you can. That's something I still may have to learn. 
Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of updates that these tools are having now. So yeah. who knows, maybe um, we'll get that far soon. Um, yeah. so there were definitely like a lot of changes that I know both sides, like from from you to the students that you had to make to be able to make like the own online learning uh, function properly. Is there mm -hmm. anything you think is going to stick once we go back to remote learning? Do you, are there any tools that you would still use or any of the activities that you're doing with your students that you think you're going to keep? You mean when we go back to face to face? Yeah. 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 When we go so, face so, so here's the thing. I mean, I really enjoy online teaching now. It's almost like I have these unlimited ways of being creative <laughs> to offer a course in a more fun way than just going in front of them and talking to them. So I may, uh, you know, out of these, out of the three courses I'm teaching um, at MSU now, I may actually keep one or two of them online if I can. And one of the things is that um, some students like the flexibility of an asynchronous online class. And I've seen that a lot with my students. So I'd like them to give that opportunity so that some students want to do a job while, while taking courses. So um, I'm actually looking forward to keeping a, um, some of my courses online. The other thing is, I've, you know, as the Plan Breeder for International Programs, I used to do a lot of outreach um, activities in other countries, in Asia and Africa mostly. So, and I've always wondered, you know, MSU has this wonderful plant breeding gen and genetics program. We have great courses. And I've always wondered, can we offer the, these courses that MSU is offering in other universities around the world? I've always wondered about that. That's why I wanted to get into online teaching. So going forward, I think that's really something I'm going to look forward to, um, to offer my courses um, in other countries. I work with a lot of partners for my outreach work. So I'm thinking that might be possible um, not too far away. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool if it managed to expand out that far. Um, mm -hmm. I was wondering, though, is there anything that you felt like was sort of missing from this experience or that um, you would have wanted in place now that you've gone through this? So one of the things, you know, as a teacher, when you go in front of a large class, right? What really gives you the cues is that when you look at the, look at the faces, you know, sometimes students don't know that uh, we can see their faces, but you can. You know, when I, I, I scan the classroom and when I see a question look on a student, even if it is just one student, I ask them, okay, is this, is this clear? You know, can I, can I explain this one more time? So I, even if it is one student and if they raise their hand and ask me a question, I immediately address that, right? I, you know, I go on the board or I explain. And that's one of the comments that my students say that I make sure that um, I leave nobody behind. And that's one of the things that I've missed, just that, that, you know, those facial, facial expressions, you know, sometimes they have this, oh, it's, it's fantastic. You know, you go in front of a class and you look at the students, it's like, it's, it's great. So I miss that. What I, one of the things I've done, and in fact, my students actually requested I do this, is to have these optional Q&A sessions that they could just come and talk to me. And for smaller classes, I've required them to come for maybe two out of 
14 weeks, uh, you know, so two times out of 14 um, mm -hmm. to come. So I get to know them. I get to talk to them so I can put a face to uh, face to the name. So I've done that. And for others, um, when I have my, you know, my one of my current classes has right now, there's 119 students. So I've told them, come to the um, to the Q&A sessions. But if you can't make it because you have a job or something, um, post your questions on uh, on the discussion forum for general questions for the course. And that way we'll make sure that we address it during the Q&A session. It's gonna be recorded and put it uh, put on, uh, on D2L so they can watch it. So that's kind of like what I've tried to do, but we'll see if it works this time. Um, that's, that's what I miss, those uh, interactions, face-to-face -face interactions with my students. It's just like, you can just watch the light bulb go up, you know, it's just, it's a fantastic, rewarding feeling. And I don't have that when, um, when I have uh, asynchronous online classes. Um, is there anything that you actually, uh, you know, really enjoyed about online teaching? And uh, lastly, do you think that you're going to miss it? Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy the fact that I can be really creative in telling my stories because, I mean, I teach with stories, okay? So mm -hmm. if I want to get across, let's say I'm teaching um, about antibiotics and how we can, the bacteria develops resistance to antibiotics and now we can't take an antibiotic to make us feel better, right? So when I'm doing that, I always associate it with a story. When I'm teaching online, I can build in not only my videos, I can build in YouTube videos, I can build in pictures into HTML files. And that just makes that story really rich, actually captivate your students in, and get their attention. And I don't know, um, when it's all in one place, I think with uh, lots of pictures and stuff, I think it's more fun. That's, that's the part I think I'll miss, the, the opportunity of being creative to deliver what you want to deliver in a fun way to the students. Actually, I just wanted to say that I love um, how passionate you sound uh, about what you do, which is like very valuable. Um, and I'm sure that gets through your students and that's why they really have enjoyed the online classes with you. Um, so that's really good. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. All right. Thank you, Alex. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Adventure at Podcast. We appreciate our audience and clients for their continued support. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends and family. For more information on our services and upcoming episodes, please visit us at ventureit.com as well as our other social media channels. Talk to you soon.